haven't yet, go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at livingthedream506. But most importantly, keep listening and let me know what you think. This episode of Living the Dream is brought to you by AMW Group. AMW has the right tools to help you build your music career one step at a time. Get your song to the audience it deserves with AMW's Spotify playlist promotion service and work with AMW's experts to get your music heard. Check out their services by visiting bit.ly slash livingthedream10 and get a special 10% discount to their music promotion services by using coupon code AMW10. My guest today is Canadian indie rock band Dear Rouge. I sat down with them at Area 506 during the festival, so sorry for the sorry for the background music. It was during during the day with the bands playing. I think you're going to hear some Jamie Camo and the Crooked Teeth in the background, and maybe something else. I'm not. I can't really remember. But yeah, we sat down and talked about everything, including their mini tour they're going on right now with Our Lady Peace, Bush Live, and Human Kebab, and they'll be playing in. Moncton, New Brunswick on September 10th, which is right away. So check that out. That'll be that'll be awesome. And we talk about Oceaga and a bunch of other stuff. So I hope you enjoy. So please give it up for Drew and Danielle McTaggart. Especially in the pop scene, I find like, and the electronic too. Like, well, Billie Eilish is getting really, well, getting really, she's huge, right? And it's just, I find the female vocalist thing is very appealing and very refreshing. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm well, happy. Well, you're in luck that. today. <laughs> Danny is representing the I'm the only the one, yeah, I'm the only one. I always find it funny at these rock. There's some other, sort of there's some other girls. Really? Local ones, yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, Kylie Fox just played before oh, cool, these guys. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, that's so it's really cool. Um, so, what's your your guys' relationship? Uh, we are husband and wife, and we are a musical team. Till death, dude. We are empire. business. Uh, we kind of share our life all together. We spend probably ninety nine percent of our time together. There goes my sriracha chip cup. <laughs> that's your cup. <laughs> it's my cup. For those of you listening, uh, the wind blew up and blew Danielle's cup around. So I it's like a cup, red, cup tumbleweed. I used my red cup for that was supposed to be for beer. For I did this. sriracha chips. And they were delicious. 
Yes, and you wanna plug um, plug the chips? Do you this know is our first time. We just had them. They're called sriracha. And they're from here. It's like ketchup sriracha. Sriracha. Yeah. Sriracha. sriracha. Oh, yeah, that's pretty John good. Is coming out with the chip game. Yeah. I really did. I wanted to make sure we talked about chips a little bit for sure. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely important and on my list. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so how did it all start for you guys? We both, like from a young age, were part of families that really loved music, and so. You know, at an early age, both of us were separate. Danielle was in Red Deer. She grew up, I grew up uh, just outside of Vancouver. And um, we were always doing music. We actually met each other kind of through music and started playing with the idea of, like, she wanted me to play in her band, and she would come to my band's shows. And then when we got together, we were, like, I really, I was playing with the indie rock band. And I really like that. Uh, it was called McLean. It's and so, um, It's so good. It's like way better than Deer Ranch. It was like the Death Cab for Cutie era. That's a great promotion right there. Yeah. <laughs> Danny's a fan. And we, um, but anyways, when I was looking to do pop rock with Danielle because her personality is so enthusiastic. Also, Danny was doing singer-songwriter. But when you meet her, she's like the kind of person that needs to run around on stage. Be enthusiastic. So we, we actually created the music based on that. I wanted to do something different, and she hadn't done what her personality should be doing. Says true. Says me. <laughs> so what were you doing before? Um, yeah, like singer solo? song, like a yeah, solo stuff, and I uh, would play a lot with acoustic guitar, like kind of like, um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know a good example, like I, I, I would really like, like almost a Damien Gerardo of, of like a female Like Damien a true singer-songwriter, like... Yeah. Like she would play with her acoustic and sing songs. Just and it was really heartfelt and deep and like yeah, yeah just under my name. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I grew up like in a Christian upbringing, so I kind of felt like I had to sing only about like the darkness within or something like that. <laughs> and then I realized that that's actually um, not really what I believe. Like in terms of like that's the only thing you can sing about. Right. I definitely wanted to sing about. All-encompassing life kind of things, right. and then I was actually being kind of like legalistic in my faith just by singing about one topic, basically. It's that almost easier sense. to get inspired to sing darkness, though. You know what I mean? Because that's when the inspiration comes. You kind of need the outlet of music yes. and writing to write that way. And when you're happy, you don't really have the creativity juices flowing. I think in my experience, yeah, I think it's easier to write out of out of dark times, but. I think you can pull from so many different situations, and yeah, I think it's good to be hopeful. I mean, not like I was just totally dark, but I just, I needed to have more fun, basically. It was heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Like heavy lyrically, you mean? Yeah. Which is like, yeah, emotionally, and yeah. like, kind of felt really thick, rather than like, just spry, like, dancing on your toes kind of music. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I guess, you said your pop project before that was kind of Death Cab for Cutie-ish? Yeah, it was like indie rock, we were doing chill songs, we we like to make pretty music. Yeah. I would say that's kind of what we were, it wasn't pop music, it wasn't it wasn't uh, super artsy, it was right. just like nice, pretty, like chill, indie electronic, or indie uh, alternative. So at that point, you, you guys both had your own projects, Yeah. and were you together at that point? dating or anything like that? Uh, we started dating and that's when we decided to 
try a song yeah. together. Yeah, right. and so we went in the studio, wrote a song, it's called Heads Up, Watch Out. You can't find it anywhere unless you like find like an old bootleg copy. Um, can, can we get a bootleg copy of that? I perhaps? don't have any with me. It, it, I think there, there oh, might be I mean, somewhere there. if you dig online you can try it.
that song in the studio. That's kind of what got us into this radio contest in Vancouver. And it was the first song that was played on the radio. So it kind of was like, that doesn't really happen where one song kind of like pulls you into this, something's kind of moving, where people really like this. And then we, you know, we worked our way up to our first uh, album, which we were able to win a Juno for. So it was like the trajectory, that's like probably the funnest time right now it's like we get to play bigger shows and it's beautiful and we love what we do every second of every day but the first like jolt into working a day job to being a full-time musician it's awesome yeah so when did you make that transition from full-time working to full-time musician uh it was january 1st 2013 okay after the christmas break and we went into doing music. We had like a lot of help from the radio contest and friends supporting us. And so we we kind of had a year. And in that year, we recorded, released our album. And we tried a first single, didn't really work. And then the second one just caught on to radio in Canada. And it, all of a sudden it was like, okay, we have management, label, agent. Uh, we're going to make a go at this, right? Yeah. And then after that, it was kind of like with the follow-up album, it was kind of like, are we going to stick around, you know? like Because yeah. we were only one album deep. And so this album, everything did better on Faze's album. Really? And so, That's yeah. second album. Yeah, better shows, better everything. Everything has grown. And so it's like the best feeling in the world because now we're looking at our third album. And it's like, okay, right. you know, we've, we've been around for like six, seven years now. Now we need to like go deep, have this... Um, have this important album the third album is going to be really important for us and probably for our listeners too yeah well that's always very telling about a band is the sophomore album right mm. because you don't know where they're going to go from the first is it right and does success alter the creative process you know what i mean like, yeah and i think writing goes i think too that the sophomore album or the curse of the sophomore it, it, you think about it from a listener where you just fell in love with the band and then they follow it up with something that you're either going to like or not like right. so there's that whole side of it because bands grow but also the band itself just broke onto the scene with one album and now they have like a little bit of maybe fear a little bit of a noisy room with industry and they have an environment where they're not used to writing exactly and so th- I think that also factors into the sophomore album you know the curse of it so with you guys how did you avoid that curse and how did phases kind of exceed expectations I guess we probably didn't avoid it we probably didn't <laughs> think about it too much and um, we wrote th- thankfully we still had something to say at that time like we had a lot of good times and bad times to draw from and uh, a good team around us I guess and that helped a lot too but I think for Dear Rouge it's like the live show kind of is consistent we're always touring and we always have the opportunity to like show the live aspect of the songs which I think helps make yeah. them better like we love playing live so that could be um, something that's carried Dear Rouge a lot too we're still waiting for that like song that like special special song um, we kind of had it with Black to Gold with like and Live Through the Night um, but we're still Lifting like... the Night's my favorite song. Oh, thank you. That's crazy. Thank you.
She was in PR for the restaurant industry, and I was marketing um, for publications. Okay, so does that kind of overflow into the music industry? Do you guys do those things for yourself? Yeah, you. It is definitely. your personality. You know, like we were. It definitely you draw from everything. As a musician, a lot of people don't think about the side of it that they don't see. Exactly. You know, a lot of yeah. even close friends of mine, they just, you know, we go play a show. And then we record albums, you know? Yeah. But there's so much time wrapped up in the industry and meeting people and different marketing. So PR and marketing help that a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when it comes to songwriting, what what do you use to draw inspiration from? Um, well, just like we're trying to be more and more vulnerable about our own life experiences and instead of like using somebody else as a, like as we, we actually used to do that, be like, oh, that friend is going through a lot right now. It'd be easy, it's easier to write about their story right. than your own. And I think it actually is so important, more than ever, it's important people want you to tell your story. And you should, and it's not scary, it shouldn't be scary to be honest about who you are, and kind of, we're learning that, I think, as we go along. So we're drawing from our own experiences this time around. <laughs> 
trying to bring in like that we love each other. Because <laughs> like everyone's like, why do you guys write such mean songs? Well, not mean, but like dark songs. If you actually are happy, and I'm like, that's kind of a good point. Again, it's like easier to, to talk about. I would about say, I would say, if I was to answer that question, I would say it's that we are. We're very contemplative. So even though we're very happy and enthusiastic, we do like to spend a lot of time thinking about life, thinking about our personalities. Yeah, and everything good comes to an end at some point. That kind totally. Of stuff. So we kind of dive into self, and we're you know we are. I would say we're happy, go lucky people, in that we want to have a good time, but we're we don't ignore you know the personality stuff and because we're married too so that's why a lot of that comes out in our writing yeah very introspective yeah. as a couple yeah is there like is there one topic that you really like writing about even like a dark topic do you really like to explore more than something like like death or struggle or depression anything like that definitely struggle and what we've seen around you know the the, the the album our, our phases album I think one of the reasons why it did better than our first album is that um, it's about the highs and lows of life so we were writing about all the exciting things happening and us becoming musicians and being able to tour and record music and and then uh, our friends at home were going through the hardest things in life so we had a song like Stolen Days which is about my cousin who passed away of cancer and it's kind of you know, it's about the positives and negatives of life, and that's why we named it Phases. Right. So does, does it serve as a sort of therapy to get through tragedies like that? For sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. It also is a good... Well, you're writing about how you feel, and so, you know, 10 years from now when we listen to it, it'll be really nice to listen to, know, knowing what our 2019 self was thinking. You know?
talk a lot about touring. You guys just played Oceaga. How was that? How was that experience? Good. Yeah. We've first played time? it before, okay. but we've never played the main stage. And we were like, oh my gosh, last time we were here, Radiohead was playing on this same <laughs> stage, and we were both freaking out. That's um, insane. Yeah, but like also Lana Del Rey and like all these bands that you respect. We're going back actually tomorrow just because we want to take it in and yeah. hopefully get backstage into Artist World again <laughs> and have some mini pancakes and gourmet coffees. <laughs> They treat you so good there. Oh, it's yeah? pretty crazy. Well catered. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's such a good festival. It's it's really cool to be a part of it. So take us backstage at Oceaga. What's that? Okay, so first of all, when you got to Art- Artist World, uh, there's K-Way jackets and Oakley sunglasses, and you can pick whatever you want. Just, <laughs> just grab them. I'm wearing them right now. <laughs> so that's cool. I that's even got a, I even got extras and uh, then you have you go into your trailer and you have a full rider in your trailer in your space um, there's massages haircuts and then you go into the food place and there's all local um, food trucks from Montreal or like uh, restaurant owners from Montreal so one was a breakfast one where you could get breakfast all day one was Mexican one was vegan one was pizza one was uh, roasted like barbecue and then they had a huge thing inside and you Coffee. you kind of forget that you want to see some bands that day. You get the treatment then, eh? Yeah. Yeah, and you like have, like I, Jesse from Death From Above was back there and we were just chatting. Like you just see people. It's actually really cool because you start to realize that it's just like, it's just like a community like anything else. Like it's like, you see people all the time along the way. So it's really fun to have like that kind of setting to hang out. Was there anybody that you saw there or met there that was kind of fanboy, fangirl. I was playing uh, pinball and Kurt Vile came by oh, wow. and I said, hey, how do I turn this thing on? <laughs> like, hey, Kurt, how do I turn this thing on? He's like, oh, he's like eating a burrito. He turns it on and then I was like, thanks. He's like, do I know you? And I'm like, no, I just know your name. He's like, good, see you later. Bye. Bye that was actually like, I really like that. I like that it's just like that. Very movie. casual? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you obviously, you know when people are like there you know them from their music but yeah. I think it's actually really nice and refreshing for artists like that kind of stage to just be like chilling and yeah, I mean, it's, it's relaxing. Yeah. It's probably pretty stressful planning to play in front of big crowds and things like I that. I don't think it's stressful. No? It's more like touring that's like a lot. There's always like many levels. Yeah. If stuff stops working, that's stressful. That's happened to us. Like I saw a St. Vincent show, yeah, where, her, where her, all her, her gear just turned off. And she had to like play like electric guitar and just vocals and... It's happened to us, um, where was it, Drew? We had, like, stuff shut down on us. We had to leave, oh, in Ottawa. Ottawa Blues Fest. All the power turned off. So we just, like, walked off stage, and everyone's just standing there. That sucks. And then our drummer just started playing, um, what was it? Seven Nation Army. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's just starting to clap, yeah. and so it was funny. That's hard to get through, I guess, especially with, for you guys. You can't really go unplugged. I yeah, but you know what the thing is, is, is you see bands that happen, you just make the most of it. Because when they got the power sorted, we had to cut our set short. But once we got back out, people were hyped that we yeah, were there. So fun. it was like, we it always together. is good. Or even yeah, uh, one time we got canceled because of thunder. And then we did an acoustic set. And you just kind of roll with the punches. Yeah. Well, when, when things like that happen, it is true. Like the community comes together and 
kind of rally around what's going on. And yeah, you have everybody to. Everybody recognizes that it's yeah, not, yeah, not, it's not ideal. You, it's just the way it works. Yeah, yeah it's true. Also, it's nice to see the human element in a live show yeah. as technology takes over a little bit more, you know, in yeah. the music industry. Yeah, I saw My Morning Jacket one time, and it was in Maine, and they went to dinner before the show, and their drummer got shellfish poisoning, and they had to come out about a half hour late, redesign the entire stage, and play the whole show acoustic. And it was a headlining oh, headlining set at a little festival, and crazy. like... At first, it was like, oh man, you, we don't get to see the full presentation. But then it's like, it was one of the best shows I've ever seen by them because it was raw and it wasn't as produced. And like Jim James was just, his vocals took over because there was no drums and there was no That's pocket. Awesome. It was so, like I said, you, you rally around the show and everybody has you a better experience it for it. Exactly. Well, it's a, you're going for the music, but you're going to see the people who make that music because you know you can listen to music at home. Yeah. So it's nice to have a little human element, exactly, and something that you can't listen to on the city. Exactly. So you were mentioned Radiohead was exciting to think about at Oceaga. So is, is Radiohead a big influence for you guys, or what kind of bands do you guys listen to and draw influence from? Radiohead definitely has influenced us. Because sure. it's been forever, like growing yeah, up as up kids, it. it's yeah. like they're the only like they're really cool alternative band from the '90s that are still relevant, you know. Um, I would say uh, when we when Deer Rouge was just forming, like Killers, yeah, 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 Strokes were all big yeah. influences. But we like we really like M83 a lot, yeah. and I really like like Saint Vincent and Florence and the Machine, and like I, I like uh, we like Vampire Weekend. We like bands that Coachella would have on there. Yeah, yeah. Like Oceaga would have. Yeah, they often have similar. Yeah, yeah. like here, and here. I, like yeah, exactly. Solange and but early stages, yeah, like synth pop rock was like always our thing. Like I loved Metric growing up. Right. So you can definitely hear that that's like influenced me. And I de- and I and I really like melodic music, like like big melodies. Yep. Like grew up in like church life, and so a lot of those songs have big choruses and stuff. So I learned how to sing that way and stuff so cool 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 um so you guys are on tour this summer or later this summer with our lady peace we are doing like a small yeah, tour we're, gonna be yeah, we're getting tour. really excited at first we were like oh i don't know is this gonna be like is this gonna work but um we genuinely love those guys like i that that's one band that i grew up like i'm from alberta and our lady peace was huge influence right. for me so I have a genuine respect for their career, and I love that we get to like little kid versions of ourselves would be like, this is crazy. Yeah. Like Rain made that text me and was like, hey, just so you know, we want you guys to come. We really hope it works out. And I was like, okay, That's awesome. we have. Yeah. That's so cool. My 16 year old myself would be like freaking out. And same with Bush and Live. Yeah. Like, just the 90s. Yeah, totally ball. 90s rock. <laughs> Which is awesome. cool, yeah. So Rain texted you, has uh, Gavin? No. Not yet? <laughs> no. Still waiting? That's not as close to home, yeah. That's not. <laughs> it'll, it'll come. It'll Maybe. Come. We'll see. Um, so, one last question. Deer Rouge. Why the name Deer Rouge? 
Well, uh, my hometown is Red Deer. Okay. And we were trying to think of a name that was like original and stuff. We went through a ton of names, like get the gallery or Young Lions or all these names. And Drew's brother, she came up with it because he said, well, why don't you do something like don't forget where you come from, like take her hometown or our hometown or whatever and change it up and like maybe change the spelling or something and make it just like a name. But it doesn't have to be like Red Deer or whatever. And so then that's what they came up with, Deer Rouge. But it also, like, we thought, oh, it could mean, like, yeah, don't forget who you are. It's always, like, um, you can't escape from who you really are kind of thing. Or, like, dear love. Like, you just talk about things that you want it to mean. In the end, it was just also, like, a cool name that we thought didn't sound like anything else. Alright, that's very cool. Yeah, I like it. Thank you. So, new music on the way. What do we, what do we got? Uh, we're writing. Yeah. Writing right now? We're in the process. Writing, writing, writing. No timeline. Um, uh, we're hoping by the end of the year that we'll have a good bulk of writing for our next album then. But, um, you know, we're not in a rush. We're going to make sure it's right. Cool. We'll see where it goes. Awesome. Well, we look forward to hearing it. Thank Thanks you. for the interview. All right. Thank you very much.